Hey everybody, welcome again to Contextualize, where we are looking at the book of Acts and seeing what God is saying there, what he's doing there. Uh, today, uh, it's not uh, Pastor Jim, but it's Pastor Bill yeah. with me. So how you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Thankful to be here. Good, good. Yeah. Well, I'm excited uh, to, to get at it here and, and see what um, the Lord has for us as we think about uh, what we're reading in, in Acts. Um, so... Um, we can just dive in here. Um, last week, uh, Jim and I finished up chapter 11, and uh, this week we're going to tackle chapter 12. Yeah. So um, so I'll just kind of give a little thoughts of kind of what's going on here, and then we'll just, we'll just talk and kind of see where this goes. Okay. Um, but, you know, if you, if you think about the whole story of Acts so far, um, a lot of, maybe one way to summarize the story is the church is growing and they they're facing hurdle after hurdle of difficulty, um, and some of that's um, kind of persecution from Jewish leaders. Um, some of that, uh, thinking of chapter five uh, with Ananias and Sapphira, is kind of internal stuff. Um, you've right. got the the um, widows being overlooked in the um, distribution in chapter six, and then persecution um, from Saul and other Jewish leaders after that. So, just a lot of challenges. Yes. But seeing God continue to um, grow his church um, in the face of those things. And so that theme continues um, as we get into chapter 12. Um, so just at the very beginning of this, though, um, and we, we read about the time Herod the king, about that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. So again, there's that idea of violence and persecution. Then he killed um, James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Mm-hmm. So um, let me just ask you, Bill, like, I mean, how would, I kind of, who are those guys, Peter and James, and we've been tracking some, but like, who are those guys and how big of a deal is this in the early church? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that, AJ, because it, it strikes me how so many times we read through scripture and we read over really significant events involving real people yeah and we just brush right on by right and uh, just to stop and think okay what can we relate to in our experience that would be this devastating as to have your actual for peter it was a spiritual brother Uh for john it's his physical as well as spiritual brother yeah um, to actually be killed by the emperor simply because of faithful service to the Lord Jesus, right. proclaiming the gospel. And uh, so I just, uh, uh, earlier in my, uh, you know, you shared with me the Bible reading plan, uh-huh. which um, I'm a little bit behind on, but uh, this morning I was uh, <laughs> reading in Matthew and uh, reminded of the calling of James and John. Uh-huh. You know, Jesus comes, huh. they're in the boat with their father, mending nets, and he says, follow me, and they come. So s- some of the earliest followers of Jesus. So they've learned from Jesus together. They've served Jesus together. They experienced life with Jesus together. Now Christ has died and risen and ascended. Like you said, all kinds of interesting experiences in Acts up through now as Jesus continues to work. And then, I mean, that's a a devastating thing that has happened uh, for James to be killed with a sword 
and then Peter to be arrested shortly after that, simply because Herod sees, hey, people like this. Right, yeah. My, my servants, li- my subjects like that I've done this. Right, yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't look good for you, for your group, so to speak, when the, the ruler does something against you, and it pleases another group, and he says, oh, let me do more of that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's, yeah. that's what's going on. Um, and yeah, and James and John and Peter, I mean, they're... And back in the, the Gospels with Jesus, I mean, they're, they're kind of the inner circle of the disciples. Yes. Uh, right. There's the 12, but then really these are the three. Um, they kind of get some, I don't want to say special access, but they, they go up on the Mount of Transfiguration and some right. other things like that where they kind of get some inside access that some of the others don't get. Right. Um, right. So this is a pretty significant uh, thing here. It really is. And John and Peter, they're, they seem to be, uh, I mean, they're very... Uh, uh, often mentioned so far in Acts as being the, right. they're kind of the public spokesman. Right, they're out there, they're, the they're doing the ministry. Yeah, yep. yeah, a lot of miracles and things. Yeah, and we had, you know, back in chapter 7, Stephen was martyred. Um, mm-hmm. He was he was murdered for his faith. Um, but James here, I mean, he's an apostle. Yeah. Um, and so that, that kind of ups the ante a little bit of, of mm-hmm. one of the apostles is actually martyred here, and that'd be the, the faith that they all share in the mm-hmm. end. Um, well, one of the things I did, um, just to pull a little historical context of kind of where we're at, I, I look back at some notes from when I led community group on this. Um, and Herod here is Herod Agrippa I, and he's the grandson of Herod the Great, which would be back when Jesus was born. Hmm. Um, so the grandson of that Herod who, you know, wanted to, to kill Jesus. Yeah. Um, hmm. And then, uh, and this is taking place um, in the year 44, because um, that's when Herod died, and that's that's what's going to happen at the end of this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so just you know, I think it's just interesting every now and then in Acts to kind of think where are we, and this is this is about right. ten to fifteen years after Christ's um, death and resurrection. Okay. So yeah. just kind of helpful information. But yes. Um, what, what's interesting, or one of the things that's interesting is this. You know, it starts this chapter starts out terrible. Um, it starts out. An apostle is put to death. Um, the the ruler likes it uh, or wants to do more of that because because it pleases the Jews, um, and so he puts Peter in prison. Uh, but what strikes me is the church's response to this. Um, what what would by all appearances look very dire of a yes. situation? Yeah. And so just just looking at verse five, what what do you see the church doing here, and how does that strike you? Bill. Yeah, it is striking that uh, as Peter is in prison, that earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. So yeah. it seems like prepositions are important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, right. <laughs> they, 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 this wasn't just a, a light matter. Sometimes we pray because we know that we should, but sometimes we may not feel as deeply our need. Mm. But it seems yeah. to me that uh, the followers of Jesus here are very, very much so feeling their need. Yeah, I mean, this is a weighty matter for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just, oh, it would be a good idea to pray. Like, that'd be a great thing. Or, no, I'm supposed to pray. Like, they're, yeah, like they're praying out of need and yeah. desire and all that stuff. Yeah. And that that's really backed up by the fact that later on, uh, as the angel comes and releases Peter, from jail and uh, he he goes to a house where a large group of them are meeting that's what they're doing their doors are locked windows are locked and they're praying yeah uh, of course they're uh, they're um, 
their surprise <laughs> and hearing this could be Peter knocking at the right. door. Right? That tells us something too, but I, I know while, you While they're praying for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we wouldn't, wouldn't expect God to answer us or anything. Um, but in the intervening time, then there is that deliverance that uh, God provides for Peter. And it's pretty remarkable too. Yeah, yeah. Um, earnest, earnest prayer, deep prayer, uh, you know, deep concerns. And yet Peter is pretty soundly asleep in prison, <laughs> chained between two guards. That's mm. pretty incredible too. Mm. He's As the angel comes and uh, takes care of the, the chains and tells him to get up and get dressed and put on his coat and follow him, you know, Peter's still shaking the cobweb, so he was pretty soundly <laughs> yeah. asleep. Yeah, verse which, nine, but he yeah, thought he was trust? seeing a vision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what trust that he could lay down and sleep yeah. in the midst of right. that. Right. Um so it's remarkable. Um so really believing in the sovereignty of God contributes to peaceful sleep and earnest mm. prayer. Those mm-hmm. things are not in contradiction. Right, right. To really rest and to really pray. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, and I think, and I can speak for myself um, of, and I can think of many conversations I've had where I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with somebody where they were a hundred percent satisfied with their prayer life. Mm. Like, it seems yeah. like, like that's um, just something that we, many of us, maybe most of us would just struggle to pray as earnestly or as much um, or like we want or think we should or, or whatnot. Um, just, I don't know. Uh, I'll ask you two questions. You can answer one or both. But what do you think is a barrier for us even today praying kind of this earnest prayer like we see here? Um, or what what might help us or what's helped you um, yeah. pray more earnestly, more fervently? Well, I still struggle with that too. So I don't know that I have any... Uh, answers in which I can say, Hey, this has worked great for me. And I, I yeah. don't have any more room to improve. <laughs> that yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't be true. But I do know that there are times where maybe the way to put it is that, um, we're almost a- afraid to expect too much from God. And I think sometimes because of that, we, we try to just go through hard situations by being somewhat stoic and mm. okay, it's going to be okay. And yeah, it may not be great, but I'm, I'm going to be able to persevere through this. And mm. I think our prayers would be more frequent and probably more fervent too, if we allowed ourselves to feel deeply and to be reminded that God wants us to pray that way. Mm. He doesn't want us to just be proper yeah. and then come before him. Right. He wants us to cry out as a child does to their father. Yeah. I mean, you know that with your little girls. Right. If they get hurt, they don't say, well, now, wait, I need to make sure that before I go to daddy, <laughs> I say this just right, right and I address him right. They they hurt. They need their daddy. They cry out for their daddy. Yeah. And I think that's why Jesus holds up children as an example mm-hmm. to us. Uh, one yeah. reason. One well, reason. yeah, I think that's that's helpful. I, I think that kids have uh, not all of them, but sometimes they have a, a willingness to be desperate and a willingness yeah. to. I mean, they just they know that they're not 
at least sometimes they they know that they're not um, they can't do everything like yeah. they know that they need help and I, just personally I think that that's one of the things that um, can be a challenge in my own prayer life in my own communication with the Lord is the willingness to daily and ongoingly and repeatedly yeah. just admit my own need right to even to to go with, you, with what you said to feel my own need not only to yes. to admit it kind of in this intellectual way that that's part of it but but to really like feel it and feel like a sense of desperateness yeah if that's a word yeah um and and ask the lord for for help i mean there's a i mean it's even going back to what was it two or three sermons ago just weakness yeah um, and and i think me and maybe many of us we don't like to be weak right right um, yeah we really don't so. so it's a good thing for us to keep practicing and and at times our practice is in the very things that we may not entirely feel mm-hmm. but we know it's it's the right place to be it's the right posture to cry out to god about everything right and to admit our need right even if we don't feel it deeply that's still the right posture and the more we do that the more that we will feel that mm. I, I think yeah yeah, yeah. It, it it kind of puts you in a in the place of experiencing what you desire. Right. Just like in, in worship, when we take a knee to pray yeah. and confess our sin, right. uh, it, it's not just a routine. It's not just rote practice. It, it's to help our bodies and our hearts <laughs> to kind of get quiet yeah. and, and, um, and picture that position of dependency. Yeah. And humility yeah. before God. Yeah. And you may not always feel it, but as you practice it, you you do begin to feel it more. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and then it affects your posture when your cry out to God can't be taken a knee because you're driving down the road and you just think of something and you want to cry out to God uh-huh. uh, for for help. Yeah. With that. Yeah. So I think practicing the things that we know to be true applies to prayer mm. too yeah and when we and if we if we intentionally don't practice the things we know to be true i mean that's we're, we're yeah <laughs> kind of denying our own conscience uh, right in a sense and that's I mean, that, right. yeah that's not helpful right at all. yeah um yeah well th- kind of continuing on this same theme one of the other things in this passage that sticks out um so peter you know you mentioned the well, what he thinks is a vision, but it's actually an angel. And then he finally realizes that in verse 11, which is kind of comical, I think. Yes. Just yeah. like, oh, like Peter came to himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, you know, yeah. he just figures it out finally. Um, yeah. And then he, he, you know, he goes, uh, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. So John Mark. Um, he goes there. But it says in verse 12, where many were gathered together and were praying. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just see kind of throughout this whole chapter, what is the church doing? They're praying. Yeah. Um, but what what um, sticks out to me in this um, phrase is that they're gathered together and praying. Like it's very specific mm-hmm. um, to to mention that there's a corporate, collective, together family. Um, like the believers are together, praying together. It's not an individual thing. Right. Right. And so, yeah. um, even just thinking specifically for, I don't know, many of our listeners are, are here at Christ Community Church. I'm sure there's some other places as well, but for us here at our church, what, 
why do we need corporate prayer? Like kind of praying with one another. What does that look like at Christ Community? What are ways that we can be doing that of praying with one another? Mm. See any thoughts on that? Well, I know one convicting thing to, that happened to me in, in recent months. There's a few guys that I meet with in a discipleship group. And uh, there was one particular morning where, as I usually practice at the end of our time, I said, well, how can, how can I be praying for you guys? And one of the guys spoke up and said, well, Bill, you know, wouldn't it be better if we all prayed for each other <laughs> instead of just you <laughs> prayed? And I thought, oh, man. <laughs> That was, no that was that. so convicting <laughs> yeah. and so good. And, yeah. and I found that our prayer time together, I mean, you, you can't go based on your feelings. Mm-hmm. Feelings are very fickle. But there was a greater sense of brotherhood mm-hmm. and being cared for by all of us praying for each other. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was a great thing to do. Yeah. And I was so glad yeah. <laughs> that well, he spoke up and said that. Right. And that's, I think that's a helpful picture that shows, um, like praying with and for each other is yeah. it's engaging with each other. Yeah. It's, it's very active, um, towards each other and listening to each other and praying and knowing what to pray for each other. Yeah. Um, instead of just, you're not just in the same space, but, but you're really engaging mm-hmm. uh, with one another. Yeah. Yeah, it, it takes it out of the realm of what could become professionalism. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It, it's real life. Yeah. Participation with each other. Yeah. And, uh, it does, I mean, the Holy Spirit indwells. So when we cry out to God, we're all the more depending on the Holy Spirit. And doing that together just enriches the time. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, that's good. Well, the, the chapter here... You know, it, it goes on um, in verse 18. Now, when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Herod searches for him, can't find him. Um, then it, it, it transitions a little bit in the last couple of verses here. Um, and, and this is, so there's kind of this story about Peter and the church in the middle. Uh, the story, the chapter begins, right, with Herod's persecution, killing John or killing James. Uh, but it ends in verse uh, 20 and 20, kind of 20 to the end, Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Um, but then in 21, on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. You, you just kind of have to picture this. Put on his royal robes. He took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. Um, so very regal um, picture, majestic picture um, of this ruler. Um, but verse 22, and the people were shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Um, so that's their response to what he's doing. But verse 23, uh, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Yeah. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This would make a, a great movie, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I mean, the, the chapter opens with, with Herod just doing what he wants yes. against the church. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't end that way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, quite a reminder. Earlier today, just for my own um, benefit and thinking through some of our, our current events, I was going back and looking at a few scriptures, and uh, the Lord brought Isaiah 40 to my mind. Mm. And uh, just a couple of the phrases in there 
you know, before God, the nations are like a drop in the bucket mm, or yeah. dust on the scales. He, he, he puts princes in place and he removes them. Yeah. You know, the, the nations of the earth are, they're nothing yeah. before the Lord God of heaven. And this is quite a, a picture of that. Yeah. You know, God allowed the persecution that came through Herod. Right. <laughs> and God had his own reasons for doing that. We don't know. And we'd be foolish to try and figure it out. Yeah. But um, God is the one who controls who it is who sits in positions of leadership over us. Yeah. And he can take them out in an instant and he can put he can raise them up in an instant. Yeah. And we get to, we don't all, in our experience, we don't always get to see God's pronouncement or judgment mm-hmm. on their actions yep. and the status or the, the position of their heart, whether they're, whether they've bowed down to him or not. Right. We, we don't always get to see that here and now, yep. but every now and then we do. Very clear. And it's, it's the same thing that is ultimately going to happen to everybody who doesn't bow their knee. Yeah. to God um, the day is coming when uh, that judgment is going to be carried out yeah. so here we, we get a picture and it just it, it should remind us of how safe we are in Jesus yeah. care yeah. yeah regardless of how the circumstances around us yep. are going what a, a timely word um, for that and I you know I just think like what would it be like to be a member, just kind of Joe Schmo here um, on the street, but but a, but a believer in the early church in this chapter, yeah. And just thinking like the beginning of it, like man, like Herod killed James, Peter's in jail, yeah. Like what's what's going to happen? Is the church going to continue to grow? Is is God going like what's he going to do? How's this going to what's he going to do about it? And then you get to the end of the chapter, like oh, Peter's out of prison. Yeah, I mean James is James is still dead, but God's still doing His work. Uh, but Peter is out of prison, and Herod now was put to death in, in a pretty spectacular yeah way that would attest to God's glory. Um, and it it just makes me think of how encouraging this would be to the early church. And and sometimes we use the word encouraging, um, kind of in the not not even in a wrong way, but just in like the Hallmark card way of like, it just yeah. makes you feel good. Yeah. But I, I really mean like to give courage, like encourage. Yes. Like if, if I'm in the early church and you see, it, it looks really bleak at the beginning of the chapter, but at the end of the chapter, it's very clear. God is on his throne. God's building his church. Verse 24, the word of God increased and multiplied. Like it, God, God is still doing his thing no matter what Herod wants to do. Yeah. And that gives such courage um, to the church. And, that's not different for us today. Like we need right. that same courage to remember God is on his throne. He's in control. He's building his church and it ain't going to stop. Right. And I, I need to remember that. Yeah. So that's yeah. very helpful. We all need those reminders. And it, isn't it uh, striking too how the, just the comparison, you know, Herod's on, on, on the throne delivers an oration. So it's a spoken communication. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the response is the voice of a God and not of a man. And then God strikes him down, but the word of God increased. <laughs> the real voice of God. <laughs> yeah, that keeps is, going. Uh, man, like you said, That's encouragement. It, it it gives courage to our hearts, mm-hmm. and it also reminds us of what really matters. There's all kinds of voices that would speak against God, 
Yeah. But they are all going to be silenced. Yeah. Yeah. One day they will all be silenced. Um, but how encouraging that the word of God increased. Uh, so that's our safe place yeah. <laughs> to go back to the word of God. Yeah. And uh, see what he accomplishes through that. So pretty incredible. Amen. Mm. Man. Well, listeners, um, may you be encouraged. Um, even thinking about the what we were talking about earlier, um, may, may we all be encouraged by God's power and sovereignty to pray. Yes. And to persist and to persevere um, no matter what our circumstances look like right now. Because yes. he's still on his throne. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Amen. Amen.